Hello everyone. Welcome to the 6th episode of Comcast, the consulting podcast. Today we have a very special guest from Vakva, Sweden, Mr. Gautam Bilore. Sir has a vast experience in banking as well as consultancy. He has worked with HDFC, IDBI and PNB. Sir has been vice president at Nozomi Infotech Limited and now is CEO and co-founder at Scalar AB and chief consultant at Nordic Growth Hub Stockholm. Thank you for joining us sir. We are grateful to have you here with us. Sir will be talking to us on client management because truth be told customer loyalty is one of the most important factors for building and sustaining any successful business. Therefore, client management is the strongest and most effective way for every business to maintain and build long-lasting and profitable relationship with their customers. So sir, before we begin our discussion on client management, could you please take us through your experiences and tell us more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um Basically, I'm I'm a banker by profession, and uh, after doing my uh, graduation, I was selected as a probationary officer with Bank of Baroda initially. And then I went to uh, rural postings, and uh, after that, uh, I had the chance to meet a few eminent people there who asked me to pursue higher studies, and uh, that excited me to do my MBA. And after MBA, I thought that I, sh- as a young boy, I always at, at that age I was almost twenty-one and uh, seven months old, and then I had I had an aspiration to join the new looks of uh, private banks with, you know, the AC uh, offices and premises. So I joined Times Bank Bombay, and that was a fantastic tour. And then Times Bank merged into HDFC Bank, and I served HDFC Bank. After HFC Bank, I was looking for a more retail banking portfolio, so I switched to IDBI Bank. During IDBI Bank, I wanted to do my uh, executive MBA from Lucknow, and then I was selected at uh, Punjab National Bank as a senior manager at the board. So I I started serving Punjab National Bank starting from uh, Bhopal, and then. Um, in the meanwhile, uh, in, in an event happened. My wife got a very good scholarship. We both got scholarships for doing our respective PhDs. But my PhD was at uh, Lobro University in UK. But Sonia got it in uh, uh, Japan at um, Keio University. It's one of the very reputed universities. You can just imagine seven prime ministers hail from that university. So looking at that, her profession is more uh, close to doing a PhD. So I uh, I dropped mine because we had a small daughter then. So I dropped my ambition and she started doing her PhD in Japan. After a year or so, I took a sabbatical and joined her in uh, Japan to support her. And there I met one of the uh, guys who was from uh, the IT background in Indian, from IT background. We both started a small company called Nozomi Infotech. We were both, uh, we were co-founders, and Nozomi Infotech uh, was a multi-market, multi-asset trading system that was inbuilt. Uh, I was instrumental in uh, trying to give uh, STP processes for different banks and taking the company to places like Hong Kong, Australia, uh, and Singapore, and we had a back office based in Nagpur, India. But due to some un, rather I should say, uh, unfortunate events wherein we tied up with the Lehman Brothers and we did not go with Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, and we had to cut ties with all other uh, banks. And unfortunately, Lehman Brothers collapsed, and we were almost bankrupt. But somehow we tried to survive with Japanese face, and we had tied up with a small Japanese hedge fund company, and then we thought that we will grow again. But uh, you know, we propose and somebody else disposes. So again, tsunami came, and we were there in tsunami. I was in the office, and the earthquake was of nine at Richter scale, and 
most of our good clients were bankrupt. So if your clients are bankrupt, you are bankrupt. So that was uh, the last blow. And my son was like three months old and there was a fear of uh, radiation. So we had to either move to some other country close by or so my argument was, let's go back to India since I have a lien at Punjab National Bank. I joined PNB again, came back to Delhi and their office, I was at Punjab National Bank. Uh, then I had a, I had very good stints there. Then I joined, I was at um, the camp office of the then finance minister, uh, Mukherjee Saab. And then uh, he also helped me to uh, rebuild a lot of things in the banking and finally I got a opportunity to be deputed to CBI at EOW Economic Offense Wing where I was chief financial investigator but again as wife's played very important role in your life she got Sonia got an appointment at uh, Linus University in Sweden so she I asked her to go first with uh, we, all, we both came here and uh, we tried to look at the place and how the life would be uh, on a prima facie, we liked it, and then <clears throat> Sonia joined, and we brought the kids, admitted them. I arranged the house was given by the university, and it's all done. Then I went back to continue to see if how much uh, they like it in due course. Uh, love at first sight was not the case here. So we, but after one year, she liked it, and I also thought that living. Uh, long distance relationship it doesn't solve the purpose and Sonia was really doing good and kids were liking the place so I switched from there to Sweden. I came here to understand the customs, understand the value system here. I did my uh, second master's here and in international business and that became a kind of uh, my consulting background. I also had a job with a company here called Power Green wherein we were uh, I should not say a job, but I was uh, employed in uh, as a co-founder with them. And then I was working with, uh, uh, still working on different engineering technologies, which we can import from different countries. I'm also a consultant uh, at Studio Stumanti, as well as we have formed a new company called uh, Nordic Growth Hub NGH. And I'm again, a co-founder there. So a serial entrepreneur, uh, Failed a lot of times, but still uh, doing good, but uh, have a very big baggage of experience. So sometimes uh, it helps. So here I am. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. That's a fantastic CV you have. And that's kind of overwhelming for freshers like us. <laughs> so uh, moving on to our discussion on the topic. Sir, mm -hmm. in this dynamic and evolving world where rules change every day, how do mm -hmm. you see the client management system evolving and what major changes can we expect in the coming future? Okay. My experiences have been mostly uh, being a science graduate. I never got a chance um, to be with uh, science or technology, unfortunately, which was my passion. But, but I was forced into middle class syndrome of getting a job as soon as possible. So I joined banking system and still serving it in one another way. Uh, in this changing scenario, in this time, uh, we had, when I joined a bank, it was a, a bank in um, a small district, backward district called Chabua. And in that backward district, the backward uh, village of uh, Amkut and Sondwa and Silota, which were where the approaches once or twice a week. So, there we understand there i tried to understand in service industry what a customer is and then when we understood what the customer we we thought that we are like we, we are like a um, provider of some kind of services which is wanted by someone not that we want someone to take our service that was the attitude at then and the branch manager if you ask your parents or maybe their your grandparents they will say that branch managers were called agents agents the work was to collect uh, some kind of uh, deposits there was no loaning system at that time uh, gradually when we came into a um, semi-urban branch then i tried to realize 
how what is a customer then when i came to urban branch i tried to understand what is the value of the customer and then by the time i was in punjab national bank and trying to understand this how a customer was changing into a client so client management is basically to attract uh, to attract some attract to your services to build the relationship and then manage it so this man this particular client management system was uh, very pre prevalent at that time uh, to understand basically how customer uh, views your services the customer basically looks for uh, customer is someone who is uh, walking who is uh, who is more of uh, looking for some kind of a price tag some kind of a value for what he's buying it could be from uh, your shop or from other shop but when the, when you see a client he is more assessing you as a experienced professional where he can put in his trust and then get his services uh, services done so changing a perspective from a client a customer to a client is you have to see that as a professionals you are all of you are going to be professionals in future you have to see that how you build it how you how attract it build it and then how you manage it so in client management client management system or a client management attitude you have to have a basic attribute of to see that the first service gives an interaction wherein the returns the customer returns back to you you have to always feel it that you ma you're managing your brand you have to always feel that you what you do to your customer always initiates a driving force for towards revenue this this is what i would uh, like to phrase that you you see that the customer returns you see that the brand is managed properly what message it is giving for, for example it could be any brand for that matter if, if you see a lot of advertisements of pepsi cola or you know coca cola and any other brand or for that matter banking so there is an element of uh, enjoyment in those kind of brands there is element of trust and uh, growth fulfillment in financial services so you have to see that what your brand is standing for and how you deliver as a, a client management uh, client manager so you have to exceed expectation you have to be transparent to keep them you have to be uh, nowadays it is changing in in past when as i remember the customer at that time we used to give him uh, very fantasy stories of what would happen in future but now it's it doesn't work anymore you have to make a balance of what is optimistically correct and what is the real reality now so that is how i mean i see a uh, client management uh, to be done today especially as a consultant thank you so much sir uh, so uh, we live in a world where many things could add value to us uh, which at times can be chaotic having to prioritize one things over another so sir what is your take on how one should prioritize things how do you maintain a balance between a quality life and meeting tight uh, deadline schedules yeah that's a Uh, that's a very, uh, I should say, important question nowadays. As I was saying, that uh, the future client management would be in a very different perspective. You will be turning customers into clients because client turning customers into client is why I said that was initially. If I take my banking experience, if we said that saving accounts, everybody has a saving account, right? From the farmer in a village till. Um, uh, Um, anybody, any good person having a good uh, uh, saving account. But what is the difference now? The difference is the person who is having saving account as a commodity, and someone who is having saving account as a uh, as a means of tools. How? Because the saving account sold to that pitched to that uh, farmer in the village could be anyone. any any clerk in a bank for that matter but the saving account pitched to someone who is um, a corporator or somebody who is working in a corporate company is a professional for example tomorrow ananya goes and establishes a company somewhere and she earns say say a million dollar a year and then 
what would be uh, banker's uh, perspective towards her? Not that Tom, Dick and Harry can go and tell her, Madam, please open an account with us. There has to be someone who is a professional who knows, understands investment banking, who understands accounting, who understands auditing, who understands investment procedurals. And then he comes to her and says, okay, this amount you can invest here and this is the going to be return. This can, you can have a, you know, spendable income. This can be your spare money. This could be your insurance money. There, there has to be portfolio explained to her. In that case, Ananya converts from a customer to a client because here a professional is dealing with something with the same product, saving account, same product, but the perspective changes. That's how your future in future is going to be. Customer experience will be more of a managing relationship. Creating and managing expectation would be different. Uh, what kind of uh, the fees, uh, the fees which you have been giving becomes commission because a professional at uh, approach has come here. So we will not waste money just for the time. We will we'll give money for the uh, skills for your professionalism. Now, she, you asked a very typical question of work-life balance. Here. When I say the future is changing, work-life balance, in my opinion, again, it's a very personal opinion. Uh, I say that's more of a norm than a more of a norm than a kind of a practice. Work-life balance is something when you leave your life continuously for a certain amount of time, the equilibrium you create itself is a work-life balance. Everybody creates equilibrium. I have studied in seven states. My schooling has been in Andhra, Kerala, Karnataka, Nagaland, Delhi, Gujarat, and Madhya Pradesh. My uh, job was in uh, Delhi. My job was in Gujarat. My job was in Rajasthan. My job was in uh, Madhya Pradesh. I have worked in uh, Andhra Pradesh. I have worked in Kerala. This is in India. Then I worked in Australia, Adelaide, we have clients. We have worked in Japan and different. I worked in Hong Kong, I worked in Singapore, I worked in US, I worked in um, Sweden for a long time now. So the definition of work-life balance is very different. For example, in Japan, um, if, I, if I would like to say, people work like crazy for five days and they compensate it in two days. They will drink like hell. They will, will find them in gutters, beat a senior vice president. Everybody picks him up. He goes to his house in the morning, four o'clock. They they drink like, you know, you won't, you can't imagine. But in Sweden, the work-life balance is a daily closing balance. They, they close the day with work-life balance. They want it today. They want to settle the account today. I have about five hours. I will have to enjoy for five hours in US, they will never talk about work-life balance, but they will always talk about work-life balance, but they will never uh, try to achieve it. In India, what is work-life balance? I haven't seen work-life balance in, uh, I have worked in government sector, I have worked in private sector, I have worked in semi-government sector. In CBA, you can't even, the, 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 you have life, that's enough. I mean, that's where, uh, uh, the. so what we do, for example, a lady working in a bank in uh, Mumbai, how does she manage it? While she's traveling on a local train, she cuts her vegetables. She prepares for the dinner while going back home. She goes back home and press and watches the TV. That's her work-life balance. The work-life balance in some countries is to bring the food on the table. If you're bringing it, your work and life is balanced. Then again, still we have a higher co happiness quotient in India than anywhere. Why? Here again, if I want to redefine work-life uh, work balances. To my simple knowledge i mean uh, the equation is uh, reality minus expectation is happiness if it is positive so if somebody is having to do with something what he is there is there is a there's a reality then you set a expectation and then expectation you attach an ambition and then to achieve that ambition you cross that expectation and once you if it is achievable then you become happy because the reality automatically goes up and then your expectation and ambition is somewhere here. So the, uh, the difference is always happens. I can tell you one thing. There was a study, I don't remember who it was. It was a company. Or a, they did a study to measure the happiness length of the lottery winners and the happiness of uh, what are they called? Paraplegics who are actually um, handicapped below waist. They had an accident or something. They all come to one small uh, uh, place for getting cured. So they did a survey uh, on both. And after a certain amount of time of the event, the baseline of 
what do you call it as um, happiness or same or same so what you might think be that happiness on a work life balance is different uh, wherein i would i would rather also give it in a in a different perspective because you have to decide what makes you happy it's a what, the thing what makes you happy is it hedonic like you some kind of pleasure for example if i eat 10 samosas in india with a lot of uh, imli chutney and everything maybe that gives me some hedonic pleasure but is it really what you call it uh, utilitarian pleasure or uh, eudaimonic pleasure there are different uh, uh, instead of eating 10 samosas if i eat one and give nine to others and we eat together i might that kind of pleasure is a different pleasure so you have to decide you have to come into uh, okay, what i say uh, a peace with what do you need so work life balance is something if somebody uh, it talks about it, it it's his his perspective this is my perspective you have to find your work some people work like crazy but still they're happy because their life is their work sometimes i mean there are many examples and therefore they have a different work life balance so uh, in my opinion work life balance uh, in in mumbai as i said if you go to gujarat they sleep for 2 hours in the afternoon all shops are closed work life balance northeast they close at 3 o'clock 3 pm all the shops are closed northeast if you go to nagaland assam and the northeast states of india in sweden they balance daily they close their accounts every day i work this much and there is a very incident i would like to share with you here in sweden and it's true at uh, in in malmo which is in the northern uh, sorry southern part of sweden uh, some police wala caught a truck full of illegal uh, uh, alcohols coming in from poland to sweden he caught it it was around 5 or 450 or something at the time he was speaking to him making some report and then what he did at 5 o'clock he called his boss and told i have to go and play football with my son and at uh, 5 o'clock my duty closes i can't stay anymore here the senior police wala told him that okay if it that's so leave it he left that truck wala and he went but that truck was caught somewhere else and then this came uh, this case surfaced so here work like that kind of balance is little bit more uh, it's not rational but it is that here you have many leaves for your parenting things you have uh, many if there is a holiday in the school the work uh, the law says that the parents can work from home if there is a uh, kind of child is at home because of illness or whatever every person has the right to have three breaks in a day it's a law in india if you if um, nowadays it's good that this government has given more days of uh, resting for all the women who be a child here it is one year with pay and one year for father also with pay for next 8 years he can take this one year in 8 years whenever he wants that is called papa leave here till the child is 8 years old i am out of it though but still so you can do and they here they are thinking of making a uh, instead of uh, Eight hours a day. They are trying to make it seven hours a day now, or six hours a day. I don't understand that. But they are still working. They are they are a developed nation. They're, everything is going good. They are all pro- making profits. So work-life balance is a kind of uh, <clears throat> uh, I would say that there a norm which you have to bring in practice. But it's not a practice yet. There is no uh, legal definition for work-life balance. So uh, I think all of us we want to shift to Sweden now. Come please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, sir, every client is important. Is it really ethical to prioritize the clients based on revenue generation from them? How to use priority management ethically? Uh, I have a very mixed opinion here. I mean, as a professional and as a consultant, as a human being, you always change your stances. But in my opinion. Uh, You, if you if you are representing an organization you have to follow the mission vision statements of that organization you cannot overlap your personal or your uh, ethical guidelines on the organization for example 
if I go and uh, state bank and shout on some of some officer, I'm not shouting on say if Ananya is the branch manager and I'm saying you are lazy people, you are this and that. It's not about Ananya. It's about state bank. So Ananya has to distinguish that the Ananya in her is at home. Here is a branch manager who is taking this blame. We we resign an organization. We resign the position. We resign. Don't resign from ourselves. Our ethics are right. But there is a very fine line between where you coincide with organizational ethics. There are many organizations which force you to tell lies. But that is an organization which is asking you. You, you cannot bring in your uh, personal ethics there. But as you said, prioritizing people because of uh, their uh, revenue generation. Uh, revenue generation is a very weak term. I would say you should prioritize customers who are value generators. Revenue can go down. Uh, I, why I'm saying this? Because I remember Warren Buffett's uh, saying, though I don't like him at all, but still uh, I like his saying. Uh, my patriotism doesn't let me like him. So he's a very anti-India person. So he's anti-Indian. So he says that you lose money, a lot of it, it's okay with me. But you lose reputation, even a bit, then I'm not okay. So reputation, the value of the company, we have Reliance in India and we have Tata. Both. It's a very good example. Reliance industry is might be having a lot of revenue, a lot of uh, strong balance sheet. But when it comes to judge, you know, affiliate, you will always say Tata is a better company. You have to prioritize in this world today to see that how I am going back. Um, this reminds me one of my incidences when I was talking. I'm just talking, I will take this uh, opportunity. I was a senior relationship manager at uh, IDB Bank and it was in Indore. And I used to sit in, in a very um, unique place. I had a big sofa in front of me and then two chairs. And, because I was dealing with HNW, high net worth clients. Um, I was a relationship manager to Vijendra Ghadge. Vijendra Ghadge is an actor. Uh, he's a prince actor. And his daughter, uh, Sagarika Ghadge, has, um, has come into Chakri India with Shahrukh Khan movie. She was in the, uh, the hockey movie is uh, Chakri India, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was acting in that, but I have never met Sagarika. But Vijendra Ghatge was so in very old TV serials. He was a very popular actor. You can Google him. He's from his mother is a prince of Hol princess from Holkar uh, dynasty. She married someone Ghatge, and uh, he, he is the son from that princely family. They they have a house in the also, and. Uh, I was uh, responsible for uh, all those kind of, uh, you know, royal families, Maharaja of Rajgarh, Maharaja Jabua Maharaj, and uh, Gadge family, and Maharaja of Ali Rajpur. And they have uh, they had accounts with ITB back. I was telling you, but there was a lady who came to me on that day. She just walked in. For them, in those days, uh, working uh, a private sector bank was a. Uh, very out of reach bank for a normal person because you used to have 5,000 rupees as a minimum balance. So, but we also had some salary accounts. So one Bridgestone guy had a so salary account doesn't need to have that much of time. But that lady's uh, son uh, died and he had some account with us. He was not in a very good position, I mean, uh, hierarchy in the organization, but still he had a bank account. She came to us and um, she just uh, saw, had a cursory glance in the branch and she saw me and I said, Ji, kya, kya ho gaya? And then she, uh, I, I just came from uh, my pantry and having a cup of tea and I just wanted to sit. And then when I saw it, I just walked towards her. She was frail. So I asked her, please uh, be seated. And, uh, and I asked her, 
careful to build. Then I brought her to my seat and made her sit. The moment she sat, Vijendra Ghatgi and his secretary also came into the bank. And there was a huge door right by the bank, and you can see that he's coming. So when she sat, she was telling me a story about what happened and how she wants to get some help and how to close the banking things. And uh, there has some pension or some money coming from the organization, from Bridgestone, how she can get it. <clears throat> I was helping her and Vijendra Ghatgi came. Vijendra Ghatgi's bank, bank accounts were like in those days, around 17, 18 lakh rupees in his saving account. And this lady was having 30, 35,000. So a very, it's a very distinctly different revenues, different relationship. But as Vijendra Ghatgi came, I had an eye contact. I said Sanmushkar in, in my own way of telling him. And I uh, asked my pupil to ask him to sit in the sofa in front of there and give him a cup of coffee over there. And this lady who also looked frail and also doesn't look so elegant as these guys, I asked her to sit and I was talking to her continuously for the next 10, 15 minutes. When she poured everything on me, now she felt light. And then I gave her some solutions. This will happen. Then I guided her to the next uh, lady who was my colleague to, to take over. But I took my time. So prioritizing here, as you ask this question, I when Vijendra, I, then I got up from my seat, went to the sofa, shook hand with Vijendra Gargaji and brought him to my seat. And I told him that this lady has lost his son. So he understands the value of the bank is not purely based on capitalistic values. We have value for the image of a bank. We care. That's what it is. And then he was so happy with that. He mentioned it to the bank, the vice president. He mentioned it everywhere. So it's not a honor. It's just not honor for me to. I mean, this is my personal ethics, which I brought into the banking. At the same time, this ethics helped me to create an image for the organization in the high net worth clients, high revenue clients. So for your information, even today, Vijendra Gargiji is in touch with me. If he invests something, he always calls me on himself and tells me that I'm doing this, is it okay? Though I'm very sure I'm not of any use to him. But this is what sometimes you create, a you, cre you connect your ethics. It's like adding value to the organizational ethics. So it's a give and take. It's a very fine line. But I would say instead of uh, high revenue uh, prioritizing, you should be high value prioritizing. It's more, it's just my very personal view. Does Thank you so you? much sir, <laughs> for sharing that experience. I think that very well exemplified the importance of, uh, you know, uh, the importance of value uh, when you're dealing with client, value generation yeah, yeah. when you're dealing with client. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, so moving on, sir, how has COVID-19 impacted the client experience? And in what ways do you think the pandemic has transformed the business dynamics? Okay. Mm, I would rather say uh, pandemic has uh, uh, pandemic has affected business dynamics, of course. But it has brought them closer to the realities, closer to what is uh, closer to the nature, I would say, organic thing of doing business. We were all living in a very big bubble and it was growing out of proportion. And we were, uh, we were supposed to bring everything to a fiduciary level of relationship, fiduciary relationship, where the trust and everything goes to on a very organic level. We were flying. So it brought everybody to the ground. Be it uh, egos of the nation till they uh, richness, uh, whatever uh, boasting people did because of their wealth, everyone was grounded. So it not only affected the human psyche, it also affected the psyche of doing business. Again, as my I see personally, it is, uh, it has given a very big, uh, what should I say, um, appraisal to the supply chain management. It get a very big appraisal to um, kind of to reduce the gap between need and necessity, and how you can manage. There were there were things which you could still do which you thought you couldn't. Same in business, human management, confinement to 
four walls. You understood how the cell is. Confinement to digital transformation of uh, services. Uh, I, I I very well remember me and Sonia did a very good uh, article paper on that consumption switch at haste, which is uh, uh, transformation of fintech. I think she told me that she has uh, given that paper to Ananya. In my opinion, the businesses, businesses like flowing water from a higher altitude to a lower altitude. It, it has, it's very difficult to predict. Uh, it's it's not difficult. It's, di it's, uh, it's, it is okay to predict, but it's difficult to be for sure of. When the water flows, water takes its own course to reach the destination. You have not, have you seen a flow? You, you see road signs, right? Stop here, turn right, bump, pedestrian crossing. But do you see that kind of things on the river? River, you should not flow right, you should flow left. You should river, you should not, you should be slow here because there are people crossing, you know. It has its own way of, same as business. You cannot, if you throw something on the river, if you build a dam, it goes from somewhere else. So business will find its way, find its way. There will be different aspects of business. Yesterday you went to a pharmaceutical store to bring your medicines. Today it came to your own doorstep. Life made you do things which you were supposed to, but you never did it. So that is where the business is also going. Uh, one of my businesses closed because of the pandemic, because the client says, there is no need of uh, this equipment engineering. Equipment. So we, we, would, we are not right now interested. So what? Now we switched into an application business. We built an application for entrepreneurs. We built an application for it's a what we call it as the um, tinder for uh, entrepreneurs and startups we match them we are creating it i mean of course we have built a I mean, we are looking at a funding stage now so human management has changed everybody is working from home he is at his basics initially everybody thought boring but now they have built up uh, different screens, so they have built up different room, they are using headphones, they are doing asking children, children, no, no, papa meeting, mummy meeting, we should do everything change. Only businesses which is tangible is a little bit affected because of the nature of it. Like um, hospital, uh, not hospitals, uh, hotels airline industry, any hospitality related industry, where the presence in person is the commodity. <coughs> Otherwise, a lot of things have, uh, the timeline has changed. In my opinion, if you read that paper, like how uh, I, I spoke to many people who were forced to use FinTech, but now, yes, in countries like Sweden, if I talk about countries like Sweden and uh, US also didn't give me a different experience, it's almost same. Countries like Sweden, we did not feel at all any change, frankly speaking. I never wore a mask, there was no mask in the country. Schools were as it is. My daughter's school was closed in between, but since there's a law that they should provide food to the kids so they supplied food uh, to the school we used to go there collect the food packets and come back home and they would eat at home so what to do they provide frozen food for five days kind of so dynamics is it's like as i said the flow of water it will find its way what is the way it all depends on the geography, it all depends on the economy, it all depends on the uh, culture of that country. India, there were marriages, India, there were like a lot of things went wrong, but India is one of the best managing country who has managed pandemic so nicely. With that kind of herd, my God, if it was in Sweden, believe me, graveyards after graveyards.
But India, yes, they have been very good. So it is all de dependent on different uh, attitudes of people, different ways of uh, managing um, crisis. So business will also find its way. It is. It has. Uh, it, it has come back more to the organic uh, way of doing business. We have become more human now. The environment is cleaner. The, a lot of things happened which we, we have gone back ten years. People say economy has gone back ten years. I said no. Earth has gone back twenty years. So it's good. It's good sound. You you have to manage it. People wash hands, wash food. Every my grandmother used to say that. <laughs> now you have been forced to do that. So business will, will of course come back to so-called uh, the new norm, but it has taught you that what can be done. People, uh, many big companies are closing their offices, not because they're cl uh, closing their business, they're closing their physical offices. Everybody work at home, there will be a small office, all your HR things and everything will be done. You have to do work as usual, have meetings, Zoom, we are doing it, right? <laughs> I'm not at NIBM. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. So, uh, sir, uh, moving on towards moving on towards the end, uh, we would like to ask you that over numerous years of working in various banks like HDFC, IDBI, PNB, as you mentioned, hmm. how would you say your experience helped you to build such an eminent profile in consulting? What are the basics 101 of a banker who wants to shift to the consulting world? What would you suggest to our listeners? Yeah, I have objection on only one word in this question. That's eminent. Rest is fine. I can. Uh, it's I'm not an eminent consultant. I'm uh, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. I think all of the listeners would, you know, agree to what I said that you are one of the eminent personalities that we have hosted until now. You, you guys are uh, very nice to me. <laughs> what should uh, I no, say? No, sir. You, you, you are, you are very modest to not accept that. <laughs> uh, uh, no, and then uh, actually being a consultant was, uh, mm, it was more of by chance by or a rather than a choice because my love to my wife made me do a lot of things. So um, I, I followed her to Japan and I followed her to Sweden and when I followed to Sweden, a lot of my colleagues said, government everything. My batchmates are general managers in bank now, and my batchmates, they are engineering. And, but I, I was never envied of that. I was always satisfied what I am. So that is work-life balance again, if you go back and reiterate the same thing. Uh, to become a consultant is always very close to people who work in service industry, like Ananya's father. He he is also in uh, insurance business. I was in the banking sector. We people touch different lives daily. We we as a customer facing people, we touch pe people's life on daily basis. We know. We try to understand how we could bring value to my organization by without compromising the value to the person who is in front of me. Without compromising. As a customer, you will always cut corners for someone and bring profits to your organization. You know, the toothpaste company, Pepsodent, to increase the sales, what did it do? it increased the size of the nozzle of the toothpaste. You will always take it full length of your toothbrush. So if it, it increases by like 3%, you will always have 3% more every time. And the sales will go 3%. Just imagine India like country and 3% sales rise. What is he doing? Is it ethical? That is what is taught in service industry. Especially when I was in the service industry, which is public sector, where service comes always above the profit. Value trust is always above the profit. Then as a consultant, it's very difficult to manage that balance. You need to create profit, but you, do, you cannot create it by uh, odd means. You have to go um, ethically. 
So as a consultant, you have to be innovative also. You have to be, you have to be a riddle solver. There is a riddle every day in front of you. It's like a doctor. Have you ever been, gone to a doctor and said, Doctor, sir, I have malaria. Ho gaya hai. Have you said that? No. You will never say that. You will say, Doctor, I have You will always talk about symptoms, not the cause, not the uh, illness. As a doctor, it's our consultant's responsibility to understand the symptoms and try to know what the disease is and then cure it. We give you medicines, we give you as a doctor. So turning from an organizational employee to a consultant is a change within yourself where only the boundaries change. As a bank uh, customer relationship manager, I cannot go beyond the constitution of bank. But as a consultant, I have a higher range of toolbox. I'll give you a very classic example. When I came to Sweden and uh, uh, I was I finished my master's and I was uh, tied up with uh, Anders here. So Anders met met me and with another Anders, Anders Alvords, and he was uh, a director in a company which makes pipe bending machine. So, you know, it is very uh, typical because when you bend a pipe in physical world, if you just bend it, the curvature, where the curve is, the cross-section decreases. I mean, the radius inside the pipe decreases where it bends. But the pipe bending machine maintains it. That is the value of that machine. That machine was sold to LNT in Gujarat. From here in Burnamo, it's like uh, 20 minutes drive from that place. So when I, uh, that man was thinking that we are having a problem for last six months, we are communicating with them. They haven't sent us like it's two million crowns of uh, money uh, stuck. And then I, uh, I said, okay, let's go to your organization. I went there. I, I said that if you can't give me the emails, let me read it. So because of an NDA constraints, privacy issues. I read the emails and then I found that, okay, for a simple banking thing, simple, they were writing like three pages emails and, you know, some some old guy writing an email in Swedish with, in English, uh, you can't imagine what kind of language it is. And then an Indian egoistic guy also replying the same to them. They're fighting on emails. What was the case? When you bent a machine pipe, LNT told that when you bend it, it should be 10 feet could be bent because the pipes are very long. And then if you want to have a bent of 10 feet, uh, 10 meters down, you have to have the machine in certain way that the 10 uh, meters of bending should go down. Uh, unfortunately, that was only for six feet, six meters. The machine was installed, everything done. And the auditor at LNT, when they came there after installation, he said, no, will not pay because uh, I don't approve it. We wanted uh, 10 meters. And the communication is going on. And finally, they agreed that, okay, you send the machine back to us. We will build the uh, platform again and, uh, and send it back to you. And then we'll install it at our cost. I said, why doing that? You dig eight meters of platform below that machine in such a way that pipe goes beyond that end. You build it, you, you dig it, you make it RCC, you light it properly, you air it properly, that's it. And they did it. What could have taken nine months, 10 months of time for the machine to come back and costed so much of money for you know, transportation. And if you don't know, unforeseen uh, things could happen. The machine could have been broken, whatever. But now if they did it, LNT agrees. There is only five liner email exchanges. I feel very proud of that particular consulting thing which I did. I have done a lot of things in that particular company, but this is one of the examples wherein your basic innovation ideas come from your kids. LNT, they could have got a solution, but they were egoistic. They said, no, 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 no. I said, no, no, no. 
So they also said how to do that. Okay, we are at fault, it's our fault. Ethically, they said, okay, bring machine back. But they proposed, sir, we'll do whatever. I spoke to that person. Fortunately, he was from Andhra Pradesh. I could consult him in Telugu. I told him, as I said, we can do. And then he said, I said, you convey this to your people in your language, in your culture, the way LNT culture. He did it, it took five days for him to have a board meeting and all that, and they said, okay. But it's all expensive. Um, very good, no problem. Just for the sake of Indians, they, they are more uh, hedonic. I said, ah, I see like they're really Who is that? Nothing. And what was the cost? It was not even 3%. So here, coming into consulting, you have to have an ability to change shoes. You have to have ability to uh, solve the problem. You have to have the ability um, to un un understand how the problem can be to make a point without breaking it. It's in short, I should say that. So as a banker, it was for, uh, it was a bit easier for me to do that. Only thing is that I have to read different uh, domains, different industries, be it I was consultant to the university. I didn't know about, uh, uh, you know, college industry, how universities bring people and what is the equipment out there. But once you're there, you read little domain. You are like a business analyst. You are between the doers and the seekers. And then you connect them with the right lingo, with the right uh, approach. So a consultant, in my opinion, as of what I am, is this. I am uh, more adaptable to the situation, the culture, be it US, be it Japan, how they talk, how they meet. In Japan, things that I, I run a business in Japan. If I go to talk to a company, me and Mahesh, and there it was like 12 people. And none of them will speak except one. Always will just bow down and move their heads. You have to understand that. In US, the F word is so common. Yeah, it's in, in a formal meeting, the F word is like, for everything is F word. But you have to be, you can't from, huh? you can't do that. In India, if you work in Punjab, the, what do you say, I don't want to speak those words, but it's very common, MCBC kind of. So, but they speak very friendly, those words. So you have to, as a consultant, you have to imbibe all that and uh, only focus on what should be done. So that is my take on being a consultant, as a con converted consultant. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. I'm sure all of your experiences gave us uh, a lot of insights into the topic and gave a new perspective to all our listeners. Uh, thank you so much. Consul feels grateful to have gotten an opportunity to host you. And we hope that uh, we can listen more of your experiences in future as well. Thank you so much. Definitely. Uh, and the all pleasure is mine. 